Daddy Squared. Gay Dad Saved the World. A daily dose of gay dads on the front lines of the global pandemic. With Alex McGann and Jan Dick. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared, Gay Dad Saved the World. Alex, let's talk fashion. <laughs> right, something which I'm so qualified to talk about. I do all of my work via, you know, video, Zoom or whatever. And um, there's this woman that I have worked with for years, and she's such a fashion plate. She comes into every meeting in like, you know, thousands of dollars of clothing and shoes. And before the meeting started the other day, she was complaining to me how she goes into her closet now and she sees that there's all this stuff and none of it matters. None of it matters anymore because there's really nothing for people to see. And, and I said to her, yeah, my time starts right now. It's when it turns out that the quality of your internet bandwidth and the lighting in the room is more valuable than your thousands of dollars worth of clothing and your, you know, Ferragamo shoes. Yes. Yes. So now I think what matters right now is how to look good in camera rather than how to have nice clothes. That, that's right. Clothing stores sales go down, good lighting goes up, and if you don't have the ring, you know what the ring is. What's the ring? What it's do you mean the, the It's the light ring that you put behind your camera when you shoot video or, or photographs, and it makes you look a million bucks. Yeah. So I think these sales will go up now. I think the other th- funny thing is, I'm not kidding, you can tell the difference between the people who either live in the right areas or have... Um, invested properly in the quality of their bandwidth. So I don't mean to get too technical here, but for those of you who aren't who don't know, there are two speeds to your internet connection. There's the downstream speed and the upstream speed. And when it comes to video and how you look to other people, it's the upstream speed that matters. And like, you know, you can have a screaming fast internet for watching video at home, but if your upstream speed isn't good, You look pixelated, and that's just that's not, not in nice. fashion anymore. So uh, today we're calling New York. We'll talk with Alex Morton Adams. He's a United Airlines pilot. And before we go to the interview, I just wanted to say that um, one of our guests who we talked to on day 10, Stephen Scott, he's uh, just announced he was tested positive for COVID-19. Mm. So he's at home. And he's... Uh, How's he doing? Yeah. He, he told me that so far he's doing well. Good. He's uh, just tired a lot. It's yeah. just tiredness. And he misses his kid. He tries to help him with uh, homeschool, but he said that uh, it's, not, it's not going as well as it used to, of course. Look, let's be clear. Much like Madonna, he's going to blast past it like it's nothing. We hope so. Nah, it's Steven, just the way that I see the future. <laughs> we send you lots of uh, well wishes, and uh, now uh, we're going to our interview. So let's call New York. Let's call Alex. Alex, would you call Alex, please? <laughs> In <laughs> New York. I don't know if that's funny. I think it's funny. Alex. Hey there. Hello. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, and uh, as you may know, we're doing this podcast to talk to people who are, you know, essential workers and on the front lines uh, of all of this stuff. And we wanted to ask you to tell us uh, what you do and how it's changed uh, during this uh, pandemic. 
Well, uh, first, I'm humbled that you've, you asked me as, a, as an airline pilot. Um, I didn't really consider myself an essential worker, especially when you think of, uh, you know, like you said, those on the front lines and in the hospitals and really risking everything for, for their jobs. But um, so I'm an airline pilot for United Airlines. And, um, you know, it was my dream since a little boy to fly airplanes and United in particular. And I worked my whole life to attain that and uh you know flying around the world on a dreamliner you know europe and asia and um it's just been a dream come true Ooh, so, you fly you fly yeah. the dreamliner the dreamliner is so cool yes and the, you know they still have the new car smell it's it's, <laughs> it's really cool i'm sorry but you know in the in the ads before the that plane started to actually exist there was always like a bar and like a discotheque on the top level and it's That's never how real. I imagine it I know never, no yeah, <laughs> it really needs to have a mirror ball it really does but all right I'm sorry please go ahead yeah I don't think uh I don't think we'll be seeing those on any United Airlines uh, airplanes <laughs> anytime soon. but uh you know so this whole you know, coronavirus thing has flipped that on its head yeah. upside down from, from, you know, going to Europe and enjoying my layovers and just the, you know, the job was great. I didn't take my, I didn't have to take my job home with me. You know, I get home from work and it's there right. and I'm home. Uh, but this has just changed everything. You know, I go to work to resupply, you know, hospitals with uh, cargo flights. We have cargo only flights now. Uh, with the belly full of um, supplies for the hospitals. And we have flights where we, we, we bring a Dreamliner to Europe that can hold 320 people, and we come back with 15 stranded Americans. Wow. So it's, it's, so it's wait, been quite a change. So are you saying that you guys are using the passenger planes as freight, as cargo planes? Exactly, yeah. Interesting. I'm just curious. So why is that necessary? If there are cargo planes that exist anyway, is it that they're literally tapped out? They're tapped out. They're full. They're stuffed. (laughs) Especially now with everybody ordering from home. Um, You know, they have cargo-only airlines that are doing all that, and they're just packed to the gills. So, you know, we have – and, you know, passenger airplanes, a lot of times they are stuffed with – cargo anyway so it's passengers and their baggage and everything on top of that we sell space to um you know to to bring freight all around so now we have these planes full of uh empty cargo bins that have room to bring stuff around and and resupply the the people who need it the most so right oh that's been a good change that's incredible and i guess i didn't realize um and so for some of these flights there are no there are no uh, passengers at all Yes, we do. We're doing now cargo only flights. It's that's yeah. you know, a few months ago. I never could have imagined. You, you, if you've been flying any time recently, you know that it's uh, you've been stuffed into the airplane right. with no seats around that are empty, and it's the exact opposite now. It's do you, very do you still do you still get on the PA system and say that really cool stuff that the pilot always says, even though there's no one to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try to have an upbeat voice on the PA even today. <laughs> So, or I just go back and talk at a six foot distance to the, the six people that, I'm, that are on the airplane. That's amazing! <laughs> My God, what an experience! So, when you uh, when you get home from a flight, um, do you feel like you need to decontaminate at the level that other people do, or you don't really need to because you're not as exposed to 
I don't know, other humans during the process. Right. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the scary part about it is, and, and like I said earlier, I didn't used to have to bring my job home with me, but now I don't know what I'm bringing home with me. Sure. Um, you know, I sit in the cockpit with, with two, sometimes three other pilots uh-huh. and we're together in a small cramped space for eight, nine, 10 hours. And I don't know what they do on their off time. And, uh-huh. Uh, you know, how careful they are. I'm, we as a family, we're very, very careful and, you know, trying not to spread this around, but I don't know what my uh, coworkers do. And, um, you know, we have people on the airplane. I have, I go to layovers and I'm in hotels and I'm just extremely careful while I'm out on the road. And when I come home, um, we really don't have the ability to quarantine me for 14 days and then go back to work. And I would never see anybody. So we agreed as a family to, uh, I, and I kind of quarantine, we quarantine as a family together. And I just am very careful out on the, out on the road to not bring any surprises home. Yeah, we definitely want to hear about your family. But I have one more question about the people who are traveling at this time. I'm sure there's an added tension uh, to, you know, to, to people who are, fl- who are on flights, um, in, you know, in addition to what, whatever tension there is in a regular flight. Uh, when there's no coronavirus, uh, do you guys do anything to calm them down? Or do you feel that once they see that there's no many people, they're much more relaxed? How do you feel that the passengers are like? Yeah, yeah you know, it's kind of like after 9-11. Everybody was um, very aware of the rules and conscious about everything that's going on. So everybody's cooperating and wearing their masks. And yes, you can tell everybody's a little bit on edge, but um, we have a... You know, usually a, a, a good crew of flight attendants are all wearing masks. So um, I think we hand out little care bags of uh, masks and hand, hand sanitizer for the customers. And that helps a little bit. Um, but it's a, it's a somber mood. You know, yeah. you know, there's just that risk in the air that keeps everybody kind of in a somber tone. The traveling is not that exciting thing to do right now. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I've advocated um, pumping cannabis into the cabins of airlines <laughs> for years, but the airlines never listened to me. Um, can you? Uh, so, can you tell us what you do have at home? Tell us about uh, the family. Tell about the. Tell us about the family. So, dear, my husband and I, we uh, became certified foster parents um, in October, oh. and we had been. Um, working towards that while we were living in New York city, we live in the Hudson Valley now, but while we were in the city, we were going through the training courses and, um, for whatever reason, it turns out our apartment was not, um, a legal size apartment to be foster parents. So we put that on hold, came up to the Hudson Valley and revisited it. And, um, like long story short, we became certified and not a day later, the ink was not even dried on the paperwork and the phone rings uh, to see if we were able to take a baby home from the hospital. Wow. So we were quite, uh, caught off guard and we didn't really know what to plan for because we opened our home to, um, a child under six. All right. Uh, so we didn't know if we should have a nursery or, uh, you know, a tricycle or a two wheeler. <laughs> we just had no idea. So right. the phone rings, there's a baby at the hospital and, um, we drove out there to, um, Westchester, Connecticut and, um, picked him up. He came home Halloween and he's been with us ever since. And it's most likely going to end up in adoption. Oh, um, we, fingers crossed. we didn't know um, how we were going to 
feel about fostering and where it would lead and all the stress involved, but it's been, um, you know, it's just been an amazing experience. Could not replicate it and would never do anything different. It was, it's just been amazing. And you said, uh, this is a boy or a girl. What did you say? Little boy, yep. And yep. so he's, he's uh, how old is he now? About to be seven months old. Oh wow! I have a, I have a question that we never asked uh, foster parents. When you foster a baby, do you name him if you get him from the hospital, oh. or the birth mom names him? The baby is named. Um, okay. In order to have a birth certificate, so the baby is named, and um, we use that name. Um, if it comes time to adopt, then we have the choice of renaming him. And we're uh, kind of up in the air whether we will or not. He's just he fits his name really well, and we really like it. So probably would keep it and just change his last name. Got it. Got it. Can you share with us, you know, with all of the tension and crazy around this thing, give us one or two silver linings that you've been experiencing during this pandemic? Uh, well, we've. Um We've reconnected with family that we haven't uh, spoken to in quite some time. On Easter, we did a we did a big Zoom call with a screen full of cousins, and I mean, I <laughs> so many people on that call, um, but that was fun. So we've been uh, getting closer with family, and um, our neighbors are a new. They are a new family. They just had a baby, so the kind of the four of us. It's a, it's the quarantine foursome we call us. We kind of <laughs> stick it out together and. Uh, oh, we wait. would not have been able to do this without being stuck up here in the Hudson Valley wait, together. That's actually, so that's been amazing. That's actually really interesting. Are you saying that you guys are um, going to each other's homes? You're kind of quarantining as a as a as a group. Yeah, exactly. Yep. We yeah. don't do we don't go anywhere else. If I if I come back um, from a trip and I have been around nobody and I had my United gives us an N95 mask for work, so mm-hmm. if I. If you know I've had that on the whole time and I feel comfortable where I was, then then um, yeah, we we are all together. So kind of consider ourselves a family. Yeah, we need to it get really ourselves. Helps. We need to get ourselves a commune. We really yeah. do. Um, <laughs> I've always said that. <laughs> My final question to you is this: I'd like you to dig deep into your confessional and share with us the most awful thing you have eaten over the last week or two. Oh, well, um, my, my neighbors, uh, they were planning, they had a road trip to go pick up their baby, a nine hour road trip. So I had planned to make, uh, apple cider donuts for them. Ooh. And, um, well, they called us and said that the baby was coming early and they're, they're on the road. They're already gone. I'm like, dang. So I made the apple cider donuts to wait for them. <laughs> we ate them all. So <laughs> when we got back, I made another batch and, um, I gave them a couple, but we uh, we've eaten basically two entire batches yes. of apple cider donuts, and like I said, the gyms have been closed for a while, so it's, yeah, it's it may take a while to get rid of these donuts. But you don't have to wor- <laughs> they're look, enjoyable. You don't, you don't have to worry because if the Dreamliner doesn't have any other passengers, then I'm sure we'll be fine, no matter how many donuts you eat. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for doing this, uh, for for talking to us today. Thank you, and thank uh, thank you to all the all the real frontline workers out there. We we're happy to uh, swoop in and resupply you, but you're doing the the hero's work. Here, here. All right. All thanks right. again. Take thanks. care, Alex. Alrighty. Bye, bye, guys. Bye, bye. Bye. That's great.